As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Understand, defend, and share your faith with confidence. This is Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us on Unapologetic. I'm Ruth Jackson. And before we hear from today's guest, just a quick reminder to visit premierunbelievable.com for more shows, articles, and resources. And you can also register there for the chance to win a free book. And if you enjoy listening to Unapologetic, then please do consider rating and reviewing it on your podcast platform. But now for today's show. On today's special Christmassy edition of Unapologetic, we'll be hearing from two different guests. The first is Beth Presswood, who calls herself the atheist Christmas queen. Beth loves Christmas, but not Christ. A little later in the show, I'll be joined by Jonathan Self, who came back to Christianity largely through Christmas. Here's my conversation with Beth, and apologies for the state of my voice, I had a rather unchristmassy lurgy. I am absolutely delighted to be joined today by Beth, aka the Atheist Christmas Queen. Hello, Beth. Hi. How are you today? I'm so good and I'm so excited about talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. I guess before we dive into how you got the title Atheist Christmas Queen, I would love to just hear a little bit about your life. I mean, obviously not your full life, but who are you? What do you do? How did you end up talking to me today, Beth? So my name is Beth Presswood. I um, was born and raised Christian, um, hardcore Southern Baptist. I became an atheist. Um, in my teens, and I have been on the atheist experience. I was married to Matt Dillahunty for some time and um, was active in atheism. And I dropped off from most activity in atheism, but I'm still Atheist Christmas Queen on Twitter, proudly defending the right of atheists to celebrate Christmas and Christmas as a cultural holiday. Okay, well, let's dive into how did you get that title, the Atheist Christmas Queen? Well, I didn't use Twitter very much. But I came across people who were like, why do atheists celebrate Christmas? And I just started talking to them. And um, I'm sometimes a little mean on there about it. But I would also post pictures of myself dressing the way I do. Because every single day after Black Friday through Christmas, I wear Christmas stuff. I have an entire closet full of Christmas clothes. I have 19 ceramic Christmas trees, um, a big white Christmas tree with all candy canes. And it's just a major part of my personality to dress Christmassy. So that's how I got the name. 
Brilliant. Would you be able to articulate just a little bit about whether there was anything in particular that led you towards atheism or was it sort of a series of cumulative events that eventually led that way? Um, well, I've talked about it previously. It is a lot of things. It is um, a lot of upbringing that, you know, I was taught biblical literalism and clearly that doesn't make sense and does not comport with reality. But even so, the more you just get into all of the God concepts that people have, whether it's from the Bible or the Quran or even just the highly philosophical ones, it just, there's just not enough evidence for me to believe in it. And that doesn't mean that um, I believe no God exists 100%, but just no God's concept has been presented to me with full evidence to make me like believe, be like, that's cool. There's a God. So no, none of that. And and did you love Christmas as much when you were a Christian or has that become even more of a thing since you moved towards atheism, would you say? We were a big Christmas family, but we also understood it as having a secular component and having a Christian component. And we did a very lo- large amount of the Christian component. We did a Christmas play in our house um, while we read the Bible story every single year. And my mom, my 19 ceramic Christmas trees, she had 50 nativity scenes. (laughs) But we also understood that everybody around us who wasn't Christian, who was unchurched, they pretty much all celebrated it too. And there was this constant um, push of, well, you need to really think about Jesus a lot. You need to really think about the Christmas story and make sure you focus on that and don't get bogged down in all the other stuff that we understood to be cultural and not fully related to the biblical story. And I suppose you've sort of gone, I guess, the other way, haven't you? In that, obviously, you know that at the heart of the Christmas story, you're celebrating Jesus effectively. I mean, that's the reason for, well, they say the reason for the season, but clearly you've you're not ignoring that, but but that's not what you're celebrating when you celebrate Christmas now, is it? No, I celebrate family, love, and giving, and basically the preeminent cultural holiday that we have. Um, I don't have any nativity scenes. Um, I don't turn off of Carol when it comes on. You know, Oh Holy Night is still a good song, <laughs> but I do have a secular Christmas playlist and. Yeah. The thing is, I think my Christmas is just as full, if not fuller than somebody who does concentrate on those aspects, because to be fair, most people do way more of this and not as much of the Jesus part. Yeah. I mean, that was going to be one of my questions. Do you think many people actually realize that at the heart of the Christmas story is is a Christian tradition? So I'm going to push back a little bit on that, because I think to just say it's Christian or to put in all caps Christmas is really to be a little bit dishonest about what it has become in our culture. Because if you look at the percentage of time people are spending at that church service or how much of their decor is their nativity scene, you really, it is 90 plus percent the other stuff. And to say that 
well, that's the heart of it, or that's the origin. Well, I don't think origins determine the definitions of things. I think cultural context is the correct metric. And if you're going by that, as well as by all the statistics on how 87% of non-religious Americans celebrate Christmas, 81% of um, non-Christian Americans do, and 93% of all Americans celebrate Christmas, you really start to get a picture of to call it Christian is less than half of the story. I guess um, for, for a lot of people, Jesus would, I mean, not a lot of people statistically, but there are still a lot of Christians who would be celebrating Christmas because of Jesus. You obviously touched a little bit on your story, but do you have any thoughts about Jesus? Was he just kind of a nice mythical figure in your eyes or, or, or is there a bit more to it than that, do you think? Well, I don't think Jesus was nice. So um, let's get that out of the way because there are a lot of people who will give a lot of credit to Jesus and some of the things like the Beatitudes and blessed are the poor and things. But when I look at Jesus and I look at some of the stories, um, I see a lot of the not nice Jesus um, and some of the pronouncements that don't make a lot of sense and um, push things that I don't believe. So um, I'm not a Jesus person, even even in the loose secular sense. And so would you find it quite hard then to make Jesus like the middle of Christmas? Would you literally just, uh, you, you were saying that there's sort of almost two Christmases, the religious festival and then the secular. Would you very much hone in on that secular celebration? Well, yeah, which I don't think is hard at all. I simply don't have a nativity scene. I don't go to church and... I put on a secular Christmas playlist most of the time and it doesn't come up except when some people on Twitter decide to make it their their problem. You, you mentioned there that the Twitter sort of foray of people saying, you know, you can't be an atheist and celebrate Chris, Christmas. What are some of the things that they are saying and, and how would you counter some of what they're saying? Well, primarily it's, it's a lot of dishonesty and... Um, They'll say Christmas, um, capitalizing that Christ. And so I'll just um, snark back Thor's day because clearly you cannot just look at a word and say what it means. You Origins do not define things, which I've already said cultural context does. And the thing is, I don't believe these questions are honest because I don't think anybody walks outside their door and is like, oh, lights, Christian, lights, Christian, not lights, not Christian. They know non-Christians celebrate Christmas, but they're either hostile to the very existence of atheists and I think primarily want to punish them. Because I think we know that Christmas is the biggest holiday. It's something people look forward to. It's really fun. And they're like, well you get to have your cake and eat it too. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing in most um, circumstances. That was Beth, the atheist Christmas queen. And now we're going to hear from Jonathan. You're listening to Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. 
Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures. Connect with students from around the world and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Well, hello. I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Jonathan Self, a photographer and entrepreneur and so many other things. But significantly, Jonathan, um, in the context of this, you actually came to faith partially through Christmas, didn't you? So I wonder, can we go right back to the beginning of your story? You grew up in a Christian household, didn't you? Yeah. I. So my parents are very strong, charismatic Christians. And I grew up in a a lovely family home on the edge of Sheffield in uh, near the Peak District. And Christmas was very central to uh, my childhood, I guess, the sparkly lights. When I see, even today, blue or green simple fairy lights on any tree, it brings me straight back to uh, childhood. And that really, what I now look back on as probably quite an awful grotto with a co-op, but as a child, it's the most magical thing ever. We were as uh, an overweight uh, Father Christmas who was just dreadful. You think now, oh, gosh, it was awful. But the top, the child, it's the most beautiful, magical thing. You're walking into the actual grotto of uh, Father Christmas. So I had this wonderful childhood. I was very ill when I was four. I was in hospital for a year and didn't walk at all. And I was miraculously healed. I had a thing called Stills disease, child's arthritis. And uh, the doctor said I was never going to walk again. Um, and so that was uh, beginnings of my memories, really, at four years old. Um, but my mother was a very strong Christian. She didn't. She got quite angry with God and said, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm not having this. And I got miraculously healed. But, but I ran away from God as a teenager. And by the time I went to art college in London, um, I was, that was it. I was just, it was not... Um, God, Christianity was not for me. So was there a particular thing that made you want to run away? You say that it was boring there. Was it the kind of constraints of it that you felt that you were I think it was cigarettes and girls (laughs) as a teenager. Um, And I was growing up in in Yorkshire at a very exciting time when bands like the Stone Roses and uh, Happy Mondays were around just before Oasis. And um, I got... um, I just got into a, I would say quite a, not a bad crowd, but just a crowd who were very quite um, into music and into smoking and just really didn't have any kind of Christian faith. And I kind of thought my parents were quite boring. And that led me to go to college in London where I actually, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really drink much, but I took a lot of drugs, went to a lot of raves. We did a lot of clubbing and then I ended up living in New York after university and I don't think we slept for two years we just parted like madmen and I just thought my parents were so bored I thought Christianity is just a dead religion it's not it's not for me and then it was just it was a quite a crazy time um it was time it was during the time of kind of Kurt Cobain um Pearl Jam Kurt had died um and then sadly one of my friends died of a heroin overdose and another friend she killed herself and suddenly I went from this thinking we were God's gift to the world to believing, oh my gosh, there's nothing. This very kind of nihilistic, dark, black cloud that came over me. Um, and it was just seemed to be around death. And there was a lot of really dark stuff going on at that point. And I ended up going to India to go onto a Buddhist retreat, thinking Buddhism was the answer. 
And it was just full of narcissistic Californians who were just trying to find themselves. And, it, and they didn't believe in evil. They didn't believe in any sense of God outside their self that you could rescue yourself. And, from, and then I suddenly had these dreams and flashbacks to being a child and the purity of what it is to be a child when you're loved by two people. And I had uh, memories of Christmas and the lights and going to Santa's Grotto and very innocent because we, we, I lived in a, a lovely old ha- uh, manor house, but it was just very basic, rustic life. And I suddenly had these, this yearning to go back to purity. But I just dismissed Christianity still because it was too good to be true because every religion has a, has a code, a doctrine, karma, covenant, Jewish people, Muslims, Christ, uh, Buddhists, all have something you've got to do to become that part of their kind of religion. But Christianity only has grace. It's, and it felt too good to be true because there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. You are love regardless of who you are, or what you are. And I always put that aside thinking it's just too good to be true. And I didn't have any Christian friends. But I hated Buddhism. I quickly came to the conclusion I just didn't like it, didn't agree with me at all. So I went down to Kerala in the southwest of India and I hadn't spoken English for two days because they could only speak Malayalam. So I was just hanging out on my own. And then this Indian man kind of in his 50s or 60s came up to me and just said, can can you speak English? I was so happy. I wanted to give him a hug. (laughs) And then he said to me, do you know Jesus Christ? I was so angry. (laughs) <laughs> my parents went cahoots not like, that english don't speak that english to me <laughs> i was like i was like i can't believe my parents in cahoots with these local indians <laughs> five thousand miles away and i just said i'm sorry i'm not ready i don't want to talk to you and walked off really angry and the next day i was in a cafe on my own in kerala and um, an indian man and his wife came up to me and they sat down and said can we join you went absolutely i'd love to thank you yeah and then they said, oh, just, I think you need peace. You need Jesus. It was like, and it happened four times, three or four times. I think, well, three times, but the fourth time I was walking past a church and I just found myself drawn to go into it. And it was an Indian church. Uh, I don't know if you know, but Kerala is a Christian state. It's an incredible state. It's where St. Thomas landed before he we went up to Chennai, Madras, where he was martyred at the apostle. And I just felt that I was being moved around a chessboard. And it was almost like it was involuntary of me. And I had these dreams and these flashbacks constantly when I was in India of Christmas and purity and the fairy lights, which are very significant to me. And I ended up um, uh, going to catching a train to Chennai and then again, find myself in this church. And it just felt pure. I felt like I was being washed. I felt like I had a blanket. And I remember when I was sick, I used to get tucked up into bed. Yeah. This is show you how old I am, pre-duvets. I'd have blankets and just real, and it was like starch white sheets. And the sheets were so cold. And I used to say to my mum, I'm not a well boy, mum, I'm not a well boy. And she tucked me into bed. But when I was in bed with the cold sheet, I felt so safe. It was like a straitjacket. Those blankets that were kind of a metaphor for God's love. And I remember just having this memory, this feeling of, I want to get back to that stage. Having had a very hedonistic, quite immoral lifestyle in New York, which was a crazy time living in um, Greenwich Village. It was amazing, but it felt so different to my childhood. And I remember just seeing the whole thing fall away from me, like the scalps of my eyes, and thinking, actually, 
I come to the reluctant conclusion that my parents are probably right. <laughs> and then I ended up going back to um, Oxford. I went to Oxford Brooks to do my master's degree um, in publishing because I was an editor before I became a photographer. And I, went, I was invited to this college party. It was called Wycliffe. And I thought, oh, yeah, great college party. I had no idea Wycliffe was a Christian college. <laughs> and at that point, it was men only. And it was a Cuban party. And it was, you had to wear, wear pajamas, smoke cigars, and drink Cuban cocktails. And I remember meeting this guy who's now a really close friend called Brunel, um, now married to his then, uh, now his wife and then his girlfriend. And I, I just met them both. And I thought, whatever they've got, I want. They've got something completely incredible, the peace about them. And then I was outraged to find out that it was a Christian college. And Brunel was an ordinary becoming a picker. And it felt literally like between those two years in New York to going to India to coming back to Oxford, <clears throat> it felt like God was moving me around a chessboard and suddenly it was checkmate. And I moved to Putney, got a little, I got the bus number 14 bus and it was Christmas time. And I, I remember on the edge of the bus, there was a poster saying Alpha. I had no idea what Alpha was. And um, it was beautiful at Christmas. At this point, I was really grieving my innocence and my childhood. And it, I remember it was really well, it was Christmas, got the bus and I just walked, the bus went past this, what I thought was a tiny church called Holy Trinity Brompton. I could just see the, the poster of St. Alpha and I thought, oh, I saw a poster for that. And there was something in, yeah, I'm going to apply, I'm going to do Alpha in, in whenever it was January, whatever. But I delayed for another nine months until the autumn term. I remember doing it and calling my mother and saying, oh, my mum, thinking of doing an alpha course and she apparently was chopping vegetables she went stay calm stay calm that's rather nice darling why are you doing it at this tiny little church called holy trinity brockton and she went oh my gosh <laughs> and unknown to me her home group women's only were fasting and praying for me every week um and i just fell in love with the kindness of htb htb does three things incredibly well and the thing they do the most well is welcome and kindness they treat you like the prodigal and I remember walking down this long avenue, completely petrified and just feeling completely overwhelmed by the love of Christ. Even though I didn't know who Christ was, feeling this unbelievable sense of purity and saying to me, I love you. And walking in, one of my best friends now, Charles, was the alpha lead. And he shook my hand um, and he just said, welcome. And by the third week, I, I had fallen in love with all these people. They were like close friends. And Brunel... Uh, the guy I met at Wycliffe was asking me how it was going and it just it felt one thing after the other and I remember on the Alpha weekend God saying to me stop running I've loved you from the beginning you are mine now come home and it was almost audible the sense of that and in the space of five weeks on doing Alpha I was convinced Christianity was true and then I had the Irish Spirit conversion and again at Christmas I remember having this huge meal we were sitting in Pimlico um, and just Christmas lights all around and again those lights were significant to me and Christmas for me is a very big bookend in my faith because it shows me the light of Christ but also the innocence we have as children like if you have a young child and they open their Christmas presents they're so excited they can't sleep on Christmas Eve and there is something about us all which wanting to get back to that point of childhood the point of innocence the point of purity I had this conversation with my friends after I became a Christian where they said, well, I can never become a Christian because they don't know what, I don't know what 
they don't, God doesn't know what I've done. I remember having this almost like out-of-body experience where I could feel my friends having this argument with God and God saying, I love you. And my friend saying, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. And God saying, shut up, I love you. <laughs> my friend saying, yeah, but you don't know how dirty I am, how filthy I am, how compromised I am. And God said, I don't care. I, I died for you. I love you. And the innocence of Christmas, the purity of Christmas, not the presents, but just the the lights and the, the simple things, um, for me, are, are a metaphor for the innocence and the purity of, of Christ and how everyone wants to be held and to be loved and to be told they matter. Um, and if anyone's read The Bear, The Fox and More, The Boy, I always say The Bear, The Boy, The Fox and More and The Horse, some of the cartoons in that are extraordinary because of that sense of I'm nothing, but you are. Um, and the world is a better place because you're in it. And I felt that for the first time after I came to Christ. And the welcome at my church in London, the welcome I felt by God, um, is just mirrors in how we all want to fail as a world. And people are lost. People are really hurting. And the anger I feel in my friends still to this day. Um, and so that really, for me, Christmas in, in India, Christmas in New York when I go back now, before Christmas, because the best city in the world for Christmas is New York. <laughs> um, the innocence I felt as a child, it all seems to be mirrored by this sense of uh, Christmas was the kind of staging post for my conversion. And Jonathan, did you celebrate Christmas in those periods where you were not a Christian, where you were an atheist trying to work everything out? Did you still celebrate Christmas? Yeah, I did. I think it was much more the the drinking, um, the fun, the sense of, yeah. I don't think anyone, unless you're a bit of a Scrooge, I don't think anyone doesn't like um, what Christmas represents. I think it's it's a very painful time because I've got quite a few friends who are either divorced or single or have, uh, one friend sadly lost a child over Christmas. And so there's lots of people who find Christmas really painful. But again, I think for me, uh, allowing pain in was the flip side of joy. And I've never experienced joy before until I experienced pain. And I don't think you can experience joy without pain. Allowing God in to the pain, allowing people into your pain. And that's where true healing comes, whether it's through therapy or um, through Christ. So I did celebrate Christmas, yes, but it wasn't it wasn't um, what it is now. And I guess if you could go back to yourself in those moments when you're celebrating Christmas, I suppose a godless Christmas, is there anything that you would say to yourself now, having experienced grace, having experienced the love of God, is there anything you'd want to say to atheist Christmas celebrating Jonathan self? Yeah, stop running and give in. And to know that God knows you better than you know yourself. And I think most people I know who struggle with Christianity, struggle with it because of their acceptance of self. And I think self-love is absolutely key to it. When Nelson Mandela was released from prison, he quoted, I think it was a poet called Marianne Williamson, who said, our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond belief. Who are you to say you are nothing? And it goes back to one of my favourite quotes by C.S. Lewis, who said, you've never met anyone who's a mere mortal, that the greatest nation in the world is nothing compared to the, the least of all man. And for me, that's the thing I had to really understand that I am so loved by Christ. And I think the biggest barrier to people 
accepting God is the fact that they don't think they're anything or they have this self-hatred. And actually they realise how loved they were and that they don't need to strive or be anything. It's, yeah, it's the beginning of a love story that can last for the rest of your life. I'm aware that this is going to be a really difficult thing to sort of articulate in a minute or two, but if you could summarise what Christmas now means to you, now that you have become a Christian, what would you say? I think it's everything. It's the birth of someone I love, but more than that, it's the sense of our pure state, that we are meant to be in that state of being held and going back to when I was a child and I was being tucked into bed when I was very ill. I couldn't walk. And the sheets were so starched, so cold. It was like ice cold, but you felt so safe. Like my tiny little body was kept inside the sheets, like a, almost like a mummy. Um, I think that's how we all want to be. And I think Christmas is a really good opportunity just to say, I love you, to tell the people around you that you love them. But more than that, to accept the love of the reason this world exists. Again, this might be really tricky, Jonathan, but what difference has Jesus made in your life? I think it's more just the acceptance that you are loved. Not, um, some people say, well, he loves me um, despite all of my nonsense, all my sin, my brokenness, my... But actually, he loves you because of who you are. And I think if you can get to that point of acceptance, then the rest is, is much easier. And yeah, he's everything. I can't imagine life without praying now. I don't know how I managed to do again into my late 20s before I became a Christian. That was Jonathan Self. Thank you so much to both of my guests today, Jonathan there and Beth, the atheist Christmas queen who we heard from earlier. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic. I'm Ruth Jackson. And as always, you can find out more about our guests through the links with today's show. We would love to hear your feedback. Do drop us an email with your thoughts at unbelievable at premier.org.uk or get in touch via social media. And don't forget, there are more shows, articles and resources at our website, premierunbelievable.com. You can also register there for the chance to win a free book. That's premierunbelievable.com. And if you enjoy listening to Unapologetic, please do consider rating and reviewing it. Wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You've been listening to Unapologetic. For more shows, resources and our newsletter, visit premierunbelievable.com. Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information.